This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. And Michael, as we begin today's program, it's uh, daylight outside the studio. Unfortunately, we have to cover up the window for sound treatment here, but it's yeah. a beautiful day out there. Actually, the window's broken, too, oh, so it's okay. an aesthetic thing we're also doing. <laughs> we'll just take our word for it. It's a beautiful, sunshiny day outside as we record. Fall is coming here in the uh, studio. We're anxious about that. Later, we're going to uh, welcome back Jim Van Eypren. We're going to continue our series on restoring broken community with mm-hmm. Jim. It's been so helpful. And we'll have part three of that conversation in the second half of today's broadcast. But boy, have we corralled some friends in the studio today. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's wonderful, too, when you can get people together who've never spent time together and then just sort of sit back and watch <laughs> that happen. That's one of my favorite things to do. Okay. Do we need to introduce them or shall we just sit back? Uh, no, I think they probably need okay. to be introduced all right. first. All right. First of all, Sarah Groves. Hello. Sarah, we have enjoyed your music so much. Thank you. And uh, it's great to have you in the studio Right here, face-to-face with Michael and all yeah, of us. So. Thank you. for It's an honor. It is an honor to be here. And? And let me introduce him. Uh, good friend, good brother. Uh, boy, do we go back. I've got some really good stories if we have time. Elvis uh, impersonator. Yeah. Hey, careful, careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but Larry Crabb is here. Uh, and and uh, a person probably who needs no introduction, but uh, uh, someone whose who's books... But more, more importantly, whose life has meant a lot to me. I mean, Amen. Uh, he's not this guy's just not a book writer. Uh, he, he's a better friend and brother than book writer, which is saying a lot. So thanks for being here. Larry, I'll stop gushing. OK, enough. The question I have for you is you've been with us on the phone. Did it uh, ever occur to you what it actually looked like now that you've been here to see what it? What, what? I love the window treatments. <laughs> <laughs> it's great being here. It really is. <laughs> Well, Michael, we are going to talk with both Larry and Sarah here today, uh, and I, I think that you and I are just going to kind of sit back and learn together. We're from discussion them. starters. That's right. all we are. That's our role yeah. here today. As a matter of fact, um, we're not even going to ask you to sing in this half of the program, Good. Michael. We're going to ask Sarah to do that. Great. Great. Sarah's sitting right here at the piano in the studio, and Sarah, will you do that for us? I'd love to. All right. This is called Know My Heart. Why do I pray, do I pray to say I pray to now? want you be holding to me and why do I help do I help to hear my name called out and why do I sing search me
knowing our hearts uh, is really what we're going to talk about. I mean, uh, Sarah has explored that in that song. Perfect introduction. And But we have Larry Crabb here who has uh, spent a, a good part of his life uh, articulating what it is to, to be open to God and to have God know your heart. And uh, I don't want to go right to the book, but uh, two books ago, I think you've had, you've, you've had Soul Talk since... Uh, since uh, uh, the pressure's off, but I'd still like to talk about the pressure's off uh, because that was a book that really impacted my. Oh, everybody says it that way, but that's a book that really impacted my life, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 took the pressure off. It impacted mine as I wrote it, uh, because God does know our hearts, and God knows that the formula that we try to force Him into is never going to work. And so he works in such a way, usually painful ways in our lives, mm-hmm. that we, we're drawn back into real relationship. We're a bunch of control freaks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we would just yeah. love to put God under our thumb. But we do it in very religious ways that mm-hmm. feel very Christian, very pious, very church appropriate. That's what makes us so dangerous. Isn't it? Yeah, it really does. Well, we make them seem to work, but they don't work. I, we... Well, the, the, the tricky thing is that they work for a while, uh-huh. and they seem to. And the ones for whom they seem to be working, they're the ones who give testimonies in churches. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that say, you know, I, I heard one person say that my kids are doing great, and I know why. Because every night I got on my knees and prayed for those kids every day. That's mm-hmm. why my kids are missionaries today. That's mm-hmm. why my kids are godly. That's why my kids are this. I remember I heard that when our kids were much younger. Mm-hmm. And I started getting on my knees every night thinking, well, I want those results. Mm-hmm. If I do this. If I do this. I get this. Then God's obligated to do this. But you're not saying don't pray. No. You're not saying that that's not how it works. Yeah, but I'm saying, no, I'm not saying that. Or don't do the right thing. But I'm saying that, that, that prayer is not a technique. Prayer is not a manipulative strategy mm. to reduce God under under our thumb to pick us under to put Him under our control, um, because there are times that God you know doesn't respond the way we expect Him to mm. respond. But I think the real issue is that in the, in the core of my soul, as a fallen being, there's something about me that would love to be in control of life. Mm. I mean, I, I know what the abundant life is. It's got nothing to do with knowing God. The abundant life is a whole bunch of blessings. The abundant life is a wife that thinks I'm terrific. The abundant life is kids that are totally godly. The abundant life is great tests from my doctor. Mm-hmm. The abundant life is a great income in my bank account. That's the abundant life. And I know how to get it. I just need to do this and that and the other thing and live very biblically, and these things are going to happen. Because God has clearly spoken in his word that this is the formula. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yeah. And that's how a lot of people are interpreting it. I think that's just a, the, 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 the real tragedy of that yeah. is that the abundant life is intimacy with God. Yeah, and this isn't a new idea. That's the book of Job. Job yes. says, you know, I know the formula, and God, you've broken the formula. Now, what's the deal? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And then the book of Job ends, obviously, very powerfully when, when God finally speaks. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, is he non-empathic. Mm. You know, he, huh. oh, ouch. <laughs> he, he just doesn't respond with, man, it's been hard for you, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You know, he responds with, why don't you stand up and act like a man here? Yeah. And uh, was it you, I think I heard talking about this, that God takes us on a tour. How did you put it? Uh, that God takes us on a tour of, uh, of, uh, of all the things that we don't know, a tour of mystery mm. that really puts us in our place. And, but it's a wonderful place to be. I, you can sound harsh as you say it, but it can be just a wonderful thing where God says to Job, you know, t- tell, tell me, wh- where were you when I, when I, when I made the stars? Um, and then he has a, this wonderful line of divine sarcasm. He said, Job, tell me how old you are. My, you are so old. <laughs> you know, God's saying, you know how old I am? And, and you think you're going to tell me what to do, and you think that you're going to put me into a box. You're not going to do that. And when you're humbled enough to repent of your control stuff, then you're going to know me, and then you're going to know what joy is all mm. about. 
Sarah, was that a part of, of this totally, thing Joe. that you've just gone through? <laughs> Joe, you know, I couldn't read the Bible without, I was everyone's defender. I was, I was crying out to God saying, leave Jonah alone. He doesn't mm. want to go. And I was saying, <sighs> Job, you tell God that second family doesn't cut it. That does not cut it, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was kind of uh, reading the Bible from, I was the lawyer for, <laughs> for Jonah and Job and kind of, you know, not understanding on their behalf, but um, it came out the other side with an experience. Um, I met a a family who had gone through extreme tragedy. Their son had been shot by a friend, mm. an accident, and they had adopted another child. And as I talked with him, look, God said, you tell them the second family isn't good enough. Mm. They know something about suffering. They know something about love. They know something about joy that you will never know. Mm. And uh, God put me in my place for sure. Mm. We sat with a family whose five-year-old, whose three-year-old child died five years ago of a very rare lung disease. Then they gave birth to a little girl, and we were with them just a week ago. The girl is nine months old. At age two months, they discovered she has the same lung disease. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting watching mom and dad holding a cute little girl who's going to die very shortly. And grandma was next to us. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's an amazing thing. I am so self-obsessed sometimes. I found myself thinking, all right, what's the best way I can interact with these people so they'll think I'm a very comforting person? Oh, wow. Isn't that absurd? Mm-hmm. And I just had to repent of that and just be yeah. broken by that yeah. and realize that, you know, there, 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 there just aren't any formulas to make life work according to our plan. Yeah. But somehow in the middle of all the devastation, in the middle of the suffering, there is an opportunity to know him in a way that does something to the soul that's really better than anything else. It really does come back to presence. Yeah. I mean, it's simply presence. And, and Emmanuel, it's God yeah. with us. If there's, it, it, he, he doesn't give us the answer. He doesn't fix the situation. But the, the miraculous thing is that he, he shows up. And, and that, that's what we want. And that's, well, yeah, that's what we deeply want. But the difficulty is that his presence is so unmanageable and other mm. things are so much more available. Mm. And if I can get something else that feels like a counterfeit, like a substitute for the presence. Give me that. Then that's what I want, whether it's drugs or whether it's spiritual ministry. The weight of glory. That's what C.S. Lewis is talking about. The weight of glory is so, it's too heavy for us sometimes. It's too heavy. So we substitute with drink and sex and all mm. these other things. That's exactly right. we can't handle the weight of glory. And yet mm. when we do touch it, there's a, a transfiguration moment that uh, when we taste the Lord and see that he's good, then we do have, as Oswald Chamber says, when when we do taste the transfiguration experience of his presence, then we do develop the power to descend into the valley where the demons are. Hmm. Hmm. And the power to descend depends on the experience of God. So God is a father who loves me enough to not give me what I want, but give me what I need, which is himself. And then when you discover that what he gives you is what you need himself, then you discover that really is what you most deeply wanted all along. Mm -hmm. You just didn't know it. Mm -hmm. I've been sitting here, Larry, thinking in terms of reprogramming our mind. You know, we, I mean, most of us have grown up in church and have been, you know, these things have been fed to us, you know, do this, then you'll get this. You you call it AB, linear thinking, right, Mm -hmm. in your book. I sure do, the law of linearity. Yeah. Um, But we need to reprogram that. We need to to think what, what God would have us do. Yeah, I can articulate the old way really well. I mean, yeah. When I read the book, I discovered That's when I'd say, to I'd say, gee, you got to read this book. It's about the old way. Blah, blah, blah. Here's the old way. And then they say, well, what's the new way? And I go, uh, well, uh, you got to read the book. Uh, so what is the new way? Uh, come on, come on. That was a setup. The, re- <laughs> the real key verse for understanding the new way in my mind is in Hebrews 7. Where, um, where he says in verses 18 and 19, he says that, that the old way, the former regulation has been set aside. 
the former regulation, if you do this, then that. Mm-hmm. There's a passage in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 29, where he says, if you get it right, if you carefully follow the terms of this covenant, everything you do will prosper. And yeah. a lot of us as Christians read a verse like that and say, fantastic, I'm going to get my parenting right and my kids are going to be great. I'm going to get my marriage right. We're going to be so happy. The difficulty with the verse is it's really bad news because nobody gets it right. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to get it as right as God mm-hmm. demands. It's a low view of holiness to assume I can get it right by his standards because I can't. Mm-hmm. So it's really bad news to say, get it right and life works as we can't do it. And then the good news is the former regulation has been set aside. And then he says, a better hope has been introduced. Hmm. And now in the context, what are you talking about? A better hope than a better than a good marriage? What, what's, what's better than that? Mm-hmm. A better hope than godly kids? Wait a minute. That's what I'm after. And he says, a better hope is introduced. And then he finishes it with a phrase, which when I first saw it, I'm kind of getting goosebumps right now. When I first saw it, I was in tears because he said, a better hope has been introduced by which we draw near to God. That's how we do it. And I thought, my land, that's the new way of the spirit that Paul talks about in Romans 7, 6. We've been delivered from the law. Get it right so life works. Get your blessings by shaping up. Mm -hmm. Delivered from the law so we can serve in the new way of the spirit. What's a new way of the spirit? In any situation, whatever's happening in your life, whether your nine-month-old child is about to die, or whether your nine-month-old child is healthy and happy and bubbly and chubby and wonderful, and mm-hmm. which is terrific, too, and blessings come, enjoy them. Mm-hmm. But the issue is never camp on your blessings or your tragedy, mm-hmm. but use your blessings or your tragedy as an opportunity to be, to be carried by the Spirit's wind into the presence of God. Mm-hmm. The new way is the enjoyment of God as your supreme treasure when life is falling apart or when life is going great. Mm-hmm. Either way, that's the mm-hmm. new way of the Spirit. And, and so the new way is not... Uh, the old way is what about what we do. The the new way is about something God does yes. in drawing close to us, in giving us Himself, in being our home, in uh, providing even in the midst of this uh, pilgrim sort of stranger's land experience, uh, Himself, and making us home. And am I? Am, I'm oh, struggling. Is that? That's exactly right. Hebrews ten: the new and living way of the blood of Jesus that carries us into the presence of God, that takes us home. Mm. That uh, the idea of home is just crucial because my my the, the, the home of my heart really is the bosom of God. Mm. So it's the presence of the of the Trinity. Mm. It's obsession with the Trinity. It's it's being consumed with the fact that God is my Father, that Jesus is my Savior, my Redeemer, that the Spirit is my power, my energy, my 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 friend. He moves mm. me into His presence. And when I'm obsessed with the home of the Trinity, then my heart really does find its home. Mm-hmm. And that there is a place for me. I mean, yeah. My so- mom says, I, she says, you write a lot of songs about longing. And I think that I'm trying to put words to that thing, what you're talking about, that mm. place. I've got a great family. I've got these things in place, but that's not enough. That's mm. not what my soul is longing for, yes. to, to be near Christ and be near God. And uh, so the song Going Home is about that. It talks about um, how my five senses limit me from really understanding what that what that ultimate experience is, is like. And I think a lot of my songs have a thread. You know, Larry's putting better words to, to mm. things that I've struggled with, you know, for a long time, just saying, I want to, I want to draw near and, and taste it. Well, but Sarah, Sarah, you have done a, a wonderful job in going home in putting the, the ethos of this to music and, and, and in words. Would you sing that for us? Yes.
can hear a distance singing A song that I can't write But it echoes in what I'm always trying to say There's a feeling I can't capture It's always just a prayer Sarah, when I first heard Michael introduce you, I thought she can't be all that 
Michael is saying. <laughs> now that I've met you, listened to you, let me, let me tell you my, my words. Um, you're, you're a young woman. You're lovely. You have a family. You have great talent. And yet, to be able to speak out of a life that most people would um, give anything to have, and yet to access a deeper part of your soul that says you want more than all the good things that you do have. Praise God when you have blessings. That's wonderful. My life yeah. is full of blessings, too. And I'm really grateful for them, but I like them. I don't want to lose them. But, um, but I'm aware of something in my soul, and you are, too. And God's done that in your heart. You, you long to go home. And I love your phrase. What was it? Come to the table? Mm. Yeah, I'll meet you at the table. I'll meet you at the table. When I think of the Trinity, when I think about the Father, I, I, one of the most profound thoughts that John Owen, the old Puritan, has helped me see in the last couple of years has been that I can have communion with each member of the Trinity uniquely. Mm. That's been a huge thought. And when I think of the Father, the word that comes to me is reception. That whenever I knock on his door, he always says, come on in. Mm. Pull up a chair at the table. Grab mm. a cup of coffee. I'd like to be with you. Mm. Where there's not a person in this world, except maybe my wife, who when she wants to be with me, I'm not delighted. Mm. Um, but, you know, if Mike, I had to think the world of Mike, he's a good friend. And if he knocked on my door... Nine times in ten, I'd say, great. But I can envision a time when I'd say, oh, Mike, not now. You know, <laughs> The Lord never does that. And he just, he just always is delighted to see us. And the notion mm-hmm. of going home where I'm always fully delighted in yeah. and absolutely wanted, my soul longs for that. And I don't have it with the best wife in the world, and I have the best wife in the world. I don't have it what my heart most deeply longs for. You know, a thought that occurred to me as you were singing that song was that, that blessings are dangerous. Mm. Because then we settle for less. They blind us. They blind us to the yeah. deepest, the deepest issues of the soul, the deepest yearnings of the soul. Um, I think that's what God finally answered me in my question about Job: is what does Job know? That that last part of his life, what does he know? He wakes up every morning and he goes into those kids' rooms, and he yeah. he's overwhelmed with them and with his life and with everything, you know, and it. And it doesn't have to do with with blessings or things like that. He just he's experienced pain, and therefore joy in the in filling that vacancy and filling that place is deeper than he ever knew before. Mm. And I just thought, Lord, I I don't want to say I want to know what Job knows because no. that's so painful. Yeah. But but he he got a gift in the pain. He got something. He, he got something beautiful. He got God. I he mean, got God. He never right. got his kids back. Right. In the end of the book, he gets God back. Right. Right. Um, and and what you were saying, Larry, touched a place in me. I, I I was about the table, the business of of coming to the table because we've got throne room scenes in Isaiah, and we've mm. got you know cherubim, and we've got all this stuff. And and I know people who read those passages, and 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 I, they don't move me because I don't know what do I know about cherubim, what do I know about glory, but I know about home, yeah. and that God has spoken to me in terms of. Come to the table. Yeah. Come make yourself at home in me. How can you not weep? When you sang that line, I just, tears just came to my eyes because I am longing for that table. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the, that's the groaning of Romans 8. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's the Apostle Paul looking at this world and saying this just isn't it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do it for us. And yet that's where, that's where I think we're all so foolish and live in this silly old way. That it's a way of making this world work. It's making an apartment home. You can't do it. Yeah. You can decorate the apartment, but it just isn't home. Um, I'm out of. I'm away from my home right now. I'm living in a hotel. It's a <laughs> wonderful hotel. I love it. <laughs> but if you told me how to say that for the next five years, I'd go crazy. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> 
We were talking a moment ago about being deceived by our blessings. And, Michael, you said they blind us. Um, that's why it's important to, to get out and to hear stories, to, to understand that there, there are believers out there who are suffering, who are persecuted, mm-hmm. and that they have something we don't. And that explains it, doesn't it, Larry? Yeah, that really, really does. It's the I, when you said that uh, Michael, you said that uh, God gave him God gave the gift of Himself to Job in the middle of his suffering. Mm-hmm. I, I wish there were another way. I, I don't think because of the way we're wired in the fall that we're not going to receive the richest gift of God except through some kind of suffering. It doesn't have to be cancer. It doesn't have to be a, a husband that has an affair. It sometimes can be those obvious, awful suffering things. Mm. But there's something in the soul that when you realize you're groaning for more, you do suffer. And then when you discover it's God, then uh, you discover there's something more that a lot of the persecuted Christians know in a way that we affluent types don't. And then when you discover that God's nature is is the way it is, that he does long, I mean, he would do... He's he, not hiding it. Yeah, he would rather die than live without us. He wants to be married to us. <laughs> yeah. He All these things we, we couldn't have imagined. We couldn't have dreamed up these things. Right. Uh, why, why is it so hard to grasp? Even as you say that, there's something in me that distances myself yeah. from it. Yeah. There's something in me that says, lovely metaphor, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Beekner says it, it's not too good to be true. It's too good not to be true. Yeah. But but my, my preset is, is just like it's too good to be true. Yeah. That, you yeah. know, yeah. Because I think it's because I've heard so many people who really don't believe it say it for so many years <laughs> that's a great that I don't believe it. it anymore. Yeah. I yeah. don't believe it, it anymore. It just becomes a bunch of beautiful words yeah. as opposed to, no, these words are true. Yeah. And the deepest truth is beautiful. Yeah. Wow. I hope both of you will come back and join us here in the studio again. Larry Crabb and Sarah Groves. We have just a, a half a minute or so. Sarah, would, could you, would you pray I would uh, love to. to close our conversation here today about what we've learned? And then I'm sure listeners have been gripped by this as well and wanting to live this new and living way. Let's just pray on their behalf. Lord, I just thank you so much that you give us beauty for ashes. And um, you are the great recycler. You come into our situation and you give us yourself. And what else could we ask for? Nothing more. I pray for the person that's on the other end of this radio, this listening, and that is experiencing profound suffering that no one in this room understands. Mm. I just pray you'd come meet them in that situation. I pray that we would lay ourselves bare before you and just invite you into our circumstances, Lord. And that we would just ask not for the solution, not for the answer, but for more of you, Lord. And we'd we'd groan and call out for for your presence, Lord. Thank you that you come meet us and you don't just meet us. You love us and you, you desire us and you pursue us. And we can't believe it, but you do. And uh, we, we love you for that, Lord. And, and uh, you loved us first. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. And next week, both Sarah and Larry will join us again here in the studio. And in the meantime, learn more about this program at michaelcard.com. Coming up, there's more on the Moody Broadcasting Network. Welcome back into the studio with Michael Card. My name is Wayne Shepard. Michael, this time together always goes by so quickly, and we're only on the air every week, so mm-hmm. we don't really have that much opportunity to be with listeners, but I really enjoy this time together. And Coming up, we're going to um, have the, the third part of our conversation with Jim Van Eyperen. God is really using Jim these days in his ministry of healing broken community, broken relationships, and he's teaching this. And you guys have been friends for a long time. Have, yeah. I'm so thankful that you introduced him to us because no. he's made a big difference it's, in me, my, my life already. My pleasure. You can see what a godly guy he oh, is. And yeah. We'll talk to him again here in just a few minutes. That's uh, Jim Van Eyperen. But um, 
I know that we have just sprung a new word on you, a new term. Yes. Called an e-quest. Yes, I think our, our lovable and much beloved producer, <laughs> Joe Carlson, created that word. If It's probably not in your dictionary. Lovable he is, yes, yeah. indeed. Uh, careful, Joe. You know, he's beaming in the other room right now. Uh, but an e-quest is uh, the, Joe's idea for listeners who have a song they'd like to hear you do on the broadcast to send us an email requesting the song, but then tell us why you'd like to hear Michael sing the song. You don't mind doing that, do you? No, no not at all. So it's like a request. Oh, now you're oh, catching up. Oh, isn't that clever? <laughs> Here's the address, in the studio at michaelcard.com. In the studio at michaelcard.com. Uh, you can just put down eQuest on the subject line if you like, and we'll know exactly what you're talking about. And then tell us what song and why. Uh, let's kick this off today with a note from a listener named Lola who says that um, she wants to make a long story short, but she said, I just wanted to share with you how your music touched our lives. My husband was diagnosed with CLL, which is chronic lymphocytic leukemia, mm-hmm. seven years ago. And then he had a bone marrow transplant, um, but he would take music to listen to in the hospital, and he chose your music to soothe his soul and relax him as the x-rays sadly killed off both the good and the bad cells mm-hmm. in his body. So she just says the the song... Uh, the New Jerusalem was one that they especially appreciated. That's from your Unveiled Hope CD. Mm. He says, It totally spoke of the joy of heaven and what to expect when we are taken home to God. I so concentrated on the promise that he would wipe away every tear. Mm. Uh, that's such a good word. Mm-hmm. Finally, at the end, she says, um, uh, April eighth, two 2003, my husband went to his heavenly home. Probably the song I've listened to the most in the past three years is The New Jerusalem. Uh, when I need to focus on my husband's heavenly home and not my emptiness, I listen to this song, and I have a true peace beyond my understanding. That's such an encouraging word. And Lola, we want to thank you for taking the time to uh, sit down and write that word of encouragement to us. Underlined when she said, a true peace beyond my understanding. Yeah. Uh, you you have that experience too, don't you? Uh, we all do. This, Yeah, I think to to, to be used in, in any capacity by God, I mean, whether it's mercy ministry or teaching or preaching or a cup of cold water, uh, is to do something that's really beyond your understanding. Mm. Well, thank you for sending that note to us. Yeah. It always encourages us to hear from thank listeners. Thank you so much, Lola. Again, the address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. So will you sing the song for us? I, I certainly will. Uh, this is a, a passage that comes uh, from Revelation, and uh, the, the, this it's really the climax in uh, Revelation 21 when the new Jerusalem descends. And the point is not so much that there's uh, the city itself. The, the, the exciting point about the new Jerusalem is the fact that God is going to be in the midst of Amen. his people in that place Amen. and will be with him forever. I see why it means so much to this listener and to all of us. Yes. Well, John Ketching has joined us in the studio with his cello to mm-hmm. accompany you, Michael. It's called The New Jerusalem.
illuminated by the Lamb, and God Himself will wipe the tears from every weeping eye. No death, no pain, no mourning cry, and every tear may dry. And now. Come now and drink for free, and to the one who overcomes, come now and you will see. Behold, the old has passed away; now everything is new. The Alpha and Omega's words are trustworthy. So true, and God Himself will wipe the tears from every weeping eye. No death, no pain, no mourning cry, and every tear may dry. And now. The hope we have, Michael. Thank you so much. Let's uh, let's begin part three of our conversation now with Jim Van Eyperen. Jim is with Metanoia Ministries and is in the studio with us today. And we have as a value on this program helping all of us learn what it means to live in true biblical community, mm-hmm. Michael. But sometimes it gets broken. It does, and that that last song reminds us that God doesn't come in and fix the brokenness. What he does is enter into the brokenness Mm -hmm. and walk with Mm -hmm. us. And that's really the ministry that Metanoia has with churches. It's not a let's, here's the answer, read my book, it'll all be fixed, (laughs) and then we leave and go to the next church. Wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) It would be nice, but 
unfortunately, that's not how things work. Now, Jim has done an excellent job, I think, of laying the the groundwork for uh, helping us to understand the progress uh, from from uh, from chaos to uh, to begin to heal. Now, what we want to look at is what what does that healing process look like? Because my guess is most of the churches that are listening that are experiencing this kind of brokenness, which is probably ninety. Nine percent really need to hear most, especially Jim, what you have to tell us today. Yeah, it means uh, living in ambiguity, living through the pain, living through what it means to be in a fallen world, but to do so through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which gives us hope. And that's and on the basis of our story that God can redeem us, that there is hope, that there is a way through what Christ has provided we can become a true community. So it means living with the pain. Now, you said something two programs ago that really changed my life. I've written it down. That This idea that when in, in Jesus' most passionate prayer to God, which is in, es- in essence was take this pain away, yes. God says, no, no, I won't. You got to mm-hmm. drink the cup. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Hebrews says that. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Mm-hmm. And he did that for joy. He did that for us. Yes, absolutely. And that's what this process looks like then. Yes. Uh, When we get a call from a church, we dialogue with the leadership, and we often pose questions to them to see whether they really want to live through this brokenness or not. There's three simple questions. The first is Jesus' question, do you want to be well? Which means Mm -hmm. you have to say, hey, we're sick. The second one is, are you willing to put everything on the table? Wherever the Spirit leads, whatever comes out, we're going to talk about. Are you willing to do that? Yes or no? And then the third one, are you personally and corporately willing to own your part in the problem? And so to be broken means you have to do those things. You have to say, hey, I'm broken. I need need help. I'm I'm sick. But thanks be to God, there's a a, a way. Lord, would you show us a way? And then allow God to work, working through a process that takes a whole lot longer than we'd like in order that we might live into and begin to develop what it really means to live a redemptive well, community. Well, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking of all the times that I've turned and gone the other way. How about you, Michael? Mm-hmm. Where you just say, you know what, I, I don't want to go through that. Absolutely. I, I, I'm, I'm not committed to the process. I'm not willing to acknowledge... Uh, I mean, I'm a high moral grounds person. I'm I'm your worst nightmare when, when you get to a, a church, because I'm the guy that's always appealing to. Well, this is the principle. This is and and so often, most often, not willing to acknowledge that I'm the person that needs to acknowledge that I'm the problem. Well, Michael, that's where we all need to start with owning what our part in the problem is. And that, that has to lead towards confession. A big part of our work in churches is to, is to invite people into a process where they can see themselves truthfully, invite others to speak into their life where they mm. can see things that they may be self-deceived about, they don't think is a problem, mm. and, and, and do it in a loving way so that there can be a dialogue, an exchange. Uh, what the Bible calls confession. You know, there's mm. two words in, in Scripture for confession. First is to, uh, meaning to, to agree. I agree with you that I said something wrong. I agree with God that I hurt you when I did this, and I confess to you. Please forgive me. Mm. The other one um, has as the prefix X, uh, a meaning speaking out. And so we have what we would popularly call testimonies. We speak out of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Both are, are confessional. And, and the church has 
pretty much lost the art of confession in both senses of hmm. speaking out the lordship of Christ as well as welcoming people in to own their sin in order that they might be uh, forgiven of it and beyond forgiveness to move towards restitution and reconciliation and restoration. Too often in the church, we stop with forgiveness. We think forgiveness is reconciliation. It's not. It's only the start of the process. It starts with, I see my sin. I hear what you're saying about my sin. I agree with you, and I confess it to you and the Lord and, and ask for forgiveness, and the church grants forgiveness. But now I've got to look at the habits and the patterns of behavior mm. and thinking that led me to the sin in the first place. That's where we really start now living into what a true community is. Yeah, otherwise you just fall into the trap of thinking again, well, it's fixed. Right. Hmm. right. It, it, has, it has something to do with our notion of sin and salvation. See, in most evangelical churches, we have a notion of sin that's what I would call forensic. It's a legal status. I was a sinner. Jesus died. Now he's declared me innocent. And that's all we talk about. And thanks be to God, that's true. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, that's an event in the past. Scripture talks about salvation as being present and future also. Work mm-hmm. out your salvation. Yes. The, the word for sin is Missing the mark. And so there's an ethical dimension to it. You have a, a, a forensic status, a legal status, but there's also an ethical. My life needs to look like Christ. I need mm-hmm. to grow in holiness. But, what if a, you, but if you speak that into fake community, I mean, you're going to hit a brick wall. Right, right. And that's why we got to come back to seeing ourselves truthfully and speaking it out in a way that we together grant forgiveness in Jesus' name. Mm. So uh, there's the forensic... But there's also the, the the organic understanding of sin as disease. Yes, yes, and 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 that would almost go to the last one where where there, we we go to the principalities and powers. There's, it's not just about here and now, but mm-hmm. Satan and and uh, forces that are against Christ are at work here, which we know from uh, Ephesians six that it's not just here and now, but there are principalities and powers. And and the good news of the gospel, our salvation story, is that we can be redeemed in all of those areas. Hmm. past, present, and future. And we need to understand that the community, the the people of God, God's called out, called together people, is the agent or is the place where he wants that hmm. to happen. Hmm. Okay, so in your experience, uh, best case scenario, best example uh, story of when when you, with a group of people that have recognized their brokenness, have then come to this point? I mean, what did that look like? Well, I, I'm thinking uh, of a solemn assembly we had over a year ago. Where what, What's that? Okay, a solemn assembly it comes out of uh, the Old Testament practice of when the people of God had gone away from the Lord, he called them to a corporate repentance. Sometimes it was standing in silence before the Lord, but it was a, a sacred assembly coming together in remorse before the Lord to own their sin. We often recommend solemn assemblies in churches that have been undergoing conflict or crisis for, for several years, mm. because by the time we get there, there's been so many broken relationships, personal and inter- even people who don't know what the problem is feel hurt and, and out there. So we say, let's everyone go through a process of, of looking inwardly, asking the Holy Spirit to, to look at your heart. To, to see what's wrong, how you've contributed to the problem, even by negligence. What is it about us that I don't know there's a problem in the church? See, it's all, you, mm-hmm. we all have a piece of, of this. And then we, four or five or six weeks out, we invite them to come to a solemn assembly where everyone comes for the purpose of, of public confession before the Lord and before one another. Oftentimes mm-hmm. that means inviting people back. 
uh, pastors who have left. Uh, other... even, even after years have gone by? Oh, yeah. We'll go back as far as possible. In fact, the story I'm thinking about has to do with a, with a, a, a man who was a youth pastor in a church 15 years mm-hmm. prior to our coming. And uh, there was a lot of resistance when we found out that he had uh, a moral failure when he was there as youth pastor. There's resistance to us even contacting him. But we persevered because we felt, I don't know where this man is. Maybe he needs something from this process. And we contacted him and found his phone number and called him, uh, left a message. I thought, well, I'll never hear from him again. (laughs) He calls back and says, now, who are you and what are you doing? And I explained who we were and we've been serving this church and we're inviting you. We're going to have a solemn assembly. And I understand that you had a, a, a sin here and you failed to this church. And I wonder if you've ever had the opportunity to have that reconciled, and this would be one. And there, wow. was, there was silence on the phone. And he said, Jim, I've never had the opportunity. And, uh, in fact, I, I never thought I would. And he began to tell me how his life spun down after this failure because he left the church. And uh, a lot of trauma happened to him personally and his family. But then he had gotten right with the Lord. And But he... Th- Never thought he'd have any chance to reconcile. So I said, um, he was some distance away. He couldn't make it on the day. So I said, well, if, you, if you write a confession, I'll, I'll make sure it's read. And uh, a, a couple of days later, he, he called back and read a, one of the most be- beautiful confessions I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Just genuine, pouring out his heart. This is where I was wrong. Uh, I, I, I never thought I'd have the opportunity to be forgiven, and I ask your forgiveness in Jesus' name. Mm. And I stood and read that confession in front of 400 people at a solemn assembly and then had the, the person who was occupying his position now in the church stand up and on the, on the, on the basis of the church or for, for the church grant forgiveness in Jesus' name. That this is man, restoration. This man's been released from something that's been holding on to him for 15 years. Now, did you find that the damage that he had left in his wake was healed in the community? Yeah, there were, there were a lot of relationships that we went one, one-on-one and found out how, how they had been uh, handled over the years and, and tried to minister to those folks. One by one. In this service, there was, there was three or four other major events. There was a, a, a associate pastor and a former pastor who had locked horns, and both during this service stood and made public confession about how they were wrong in the conflict and, and uh, publicly embraced one another, granted one another forgiveness. So this, this isn't something you can do without the Holy Spirit. Oh, no. I mean, you, without that convicting presence that moves through the body and, and, and makes people want to confess and turn around, you couldn't do this, could No, you? you couldn't. And that's why we, have, we always give time, because most of us aren't ready to do this. Yeah. And, and sometimes we rush into confession and only get a partial confession, and that's not good. We want to... Well, Let's put it all on the table. See, the purpose of the solemn assembly is so that when we've done this and we've all come together, that that next day we say, this is over. We don't talk about this anymore. We have closure on it. Why? Because it's under the blood of Christ. Now, there may be some things that people need to do to make restitution and, and make restoration and, and work on their character and do habits of practices of change in their life. Which we'll talk about next week. Right. But it's over. This is no longer an issue because it's under the blood of Christ. And that's see that now we have a new starting point, hmm. a new way to go forward. Hmm. I know we're going to talk more about this next week, Jim, but does this start with with the body as a whole or does this start with individual with the individual? Well, we have a, a a belief that that there really aren't individuals in the body, that that salvation is 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 
personal for sure, but it you're saved into a body. So any redemptive act, any any way of restoring people has to be done by the people. So we are always inviting people into two things. First, personal examination, looking uh, at the log in your own eye before taking the speck out of your brothers. But then coming together and owning corporately how we have failed, how we have sinned to, together. So it's both. It starts with interpersonal, but we, we quickly move towards corporate. It's, mm-hmm. it's our body together that needs to be healed because none of us alone can be the body. This is so essential. Hmm. It really is. And, uh, Michael, I know we've been sitting here just the last couple of weeks with Jim just saying, we've learned so much. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm thinking of the people that are listening who are in churches that have, uh, uh, they're at the point of fragmenting. Um, how do we tell them to contact you? Hmm. I mean, what, what, I know it's Metanoia Ministries, but if, if someone were uh, to, to desire to contact you, where would they start? And and what would the process look like as as then you came in? I mean, what would, what can you do for them? Well, we we need to hear from the leaders first. So uh-huh. if it's a member of a church, they need to share what they're learning here with their leaders, and then we would have to be invited by the leadership mm-hmm. of the church. If it's a denomination, we can come in from a denominational leadership. But really, it only takes a phone call. We t- we get a lot of calls, and I talk to everyone who calls, and mm-hmm. we try to discern what the issues are and whether mm-hmm. they we can help them or not, and if we can't help them get the resources they need. But they need to start on a process of owning, we've got a problem that we've not been able to to heal. Mm-hmm. We've not been able to address redemptively. Sometimes when you've been in that a long time, even when you do the right thing, it's it can't work because they're so it's poisoned too, by the relationship. Yeah. So having brothers and sisters from the outside can be very okay, helpful. Several weeks ago, we put a link to Jim's ministry on our website, michaelcard.com. So go to michaelcard.com, click on links, and you'll see Metanoia Ministries okay. there. Now, so in, in the last remaining moments, uh, for those kinds of people that are listening in, for those sorts of communities that may be listening in, uh, can you pray for them? Mm. Father in heaven, King of the universe, you who are creator over all things, who gave your son Jesus to die for us, to bear upon his shoulders our sin, our pain, our hurt. We ask that you as Lord of the church would now minister to those who might be listening, who are in pain, who are in conflict, who have ambiguity in their mind, very confused, and the enemy perhaps has used that to split and to divide. We ask that by your Spirit you would bring healing, that you would be a revealer of truth, that you'd clean us up. And Lord, we pray the prayer that your Son Jesus prayed for us, that you would make us one, even as the Father and Son and Spirit are one. For those, Father, who are today hurting, would you provide grace and peace? Would you welcome them into the hope of what it means to live as a redeemed people under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. And you have been listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. Now, before we go, I want to remind you to please take a moment and send us your thoughts about this program. We are grateful for each comment and prayer request and Bible question that comes our way. So send yours to in the studio at michaelcard.com. Here's a note that just came in from Todd who says, I wanted to let you know that I stumbled across your In the Studio ministry through oneplace.com. When I heard you're in the studio, I felt as though God is directing me in some way. Maybe he will reveal more as the days go on. 
Thank you for being what God wants you to be. I feel as though the Lord is revealing something to me. Well, again, send your email to studio at michaelcard.com. And you're always invited to come see all that's going on with Michael's teaching and music ministry when you log on to michaelcard.com. I want to remind you that the new edition of our publication called The Community Magazine is now available. And I'd like to point out that the first annual community retreat is coming up on January 16th through the 18th. It will be a great time of fellowship, prayer, and Michael will lead us in an in-depth interactive study of the emotional life of Simon Peter. Space is limited, so check out all the details when you log on to michaelcard.com. Now, if you missed a part of today's broadcast or want to go back and listen to the conversations again, then go to our radio page for the audio archive. CD copies or printed transcripts of this or any in the studio program are available to order. And don't forget to look into Michael's newest book and album titled A Fragile Stone at michaelcard.com. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Card. In the Studio with Michael Card is a production of Community Broadcasting and the Moody Broadcasting Network.